0: Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging.
1: If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com.
0: Well, we are in week four of our Jesus Said series, and we're looking at the words of Jesus. Um, I've got a slightly awkward one this morning, because frankly, nobody really likes it when you talk about money, do they? Um, So they give it to Andrew and I, because no one else wants to preach that one, and I guess that's why... Uh, we lead the church. We get the privilege of talking to you about the sticky subjects. So we're going we're to talk a little bit about money this morning. But we also, because it's the beginning of the year, we want to give you a bit of a, um, a look back, look forward. What's God done in the last year? What do we think he's going to do in the year ahead moment as well? So it's, gonna, gonna, it's kind of going to be a part, a two-part talk. And we'll, we'll transition in the middle. If you've got a gadget, a Bible, something that's got the words of Jesus in it, uh, we're in the book of Luke. And chapter 12, it will come up on the screens. So let's see what Jesus says about treasure and our hearts. We're looking at the passage, uh, do not worry. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys." For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So as we look at this passage, we're going to um, ask a couple of things. Why and how does Jesus speak about money and possessions? And what does it actually mean for us to seek first the kingdom? Well, when you take an overview of the Bible and specifically of Jesus' teaching, he focuses on three things when he comes to the subject of money. He spoke, focuses on spiritual formation, on stewardship, and on generosity. Now, if we take a step back a minute, we all accumulate beliefs and values about money from our upbringing. So in my upbringing, there were, there were several values that really ran through the whole of my family life. And the first one was that you never ever talk about sex, money, or politics. So it was, a, it was a, an off-limits subject right from the beginning. But the other things that kind of ran through my family were, you never spend money on yourself, you save as much as you can, and you're gonna need it for when something bad happens. So right from the start, I had a bit of a fear about money. But we also um, accumulate beliefs and values from our life experiences and our culture. The problem is that we all need money to live. So whether we like it or not, money forms a significant part of our everyday life. So we have to learn what the Bible says about how we're going to manage it. Jesus' words challenge us to examine our relationship with money. He spoke a lot about it in his teachings and his parables. And actually, in the Bible as a whole, there are over 2,000 verses about money, possessions, and how we handle them. The thing is, Jesus knew that a right attitude to money could lead us to the true riches of a deeper relationship with him. On the contrary, if we pursue money for its own sake, or we look to it for status and security, it can easily become a counterfeit God or something that takes our focus and our attention away from the one true God. So these three interlinked themes weave their way through the whole Bible and specifically the teaching of Jesus. Spiritual formation is what God wants for you. Stewardship is what God asks of you. And generosity, what God does through you. And you can't really separate them out. One theme kind of feeds into another and feeds into another. So we're formed spiritually as God teaches us and disciples us. And then he asks something of us to work that out. And then generosity flows out of our stewardship. And we'll look at how they interact as we go through this morning. So let's look at spiritual formation first. This is what God wants for us. It's our journey of discipleship. It's how our heart attitude and our actions get changed. And whether you have a little money or a lot of money, Jesus knows that issues of money are issues of the heart. What he wants for us is a life lived from peace. He doesn't want our lives consumed with worry. And he says that four times in those 12 verses. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry. Don't worry every day. He wants our hearts to be formed in that way. You see, you could be winning financially, but losing out spiritually. You could have a lot of resources, but still be racked with anxiety. You know, it's not true that the more resources you have, the less you worry. You could be blessed, but coveting what others have, not living in contentment. And I think Jesus outlines four transformations that can happen in our hearts We can move from pride to gratitude, from coveting to contentment, anxiety to trust, and indifference to love. How does our pride become gratitude? Well, that is when we acknowledge that everything we have is a gift from God. We're not self-made people as much as we'd like to think that we are. We have to recognize that every good gift, our backgrounds, our education, our opportunities, our intellect, our talent, it all comes from him. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 17, it says this So never say to yourself, I have achieved all this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Or in some other translations, it says, to create wealth. Secondly, our coveting becomes contentment when we practice thanksgiving and when our spending takes on healthy boundaries. Jesus is saying in this passage in his words don't set your heart on food or clothes or status or stuff that's not going to help you coveting at its core is the belief that if i had more of insert whatever it is you think you need more of i'll be happy it's it's that idolatry that leads us away from god the biblical writer paul puts it like this i have learned the secret of being content in every and any and every situation It doesn't come naturally. Even Paul had to learn how to be content and I think the fact that he says it's a secret means it's not always an easy thing to find that path to contentment. Our anxiety becomes trust as we recognise that God is the source and ultimately that he is our provider even as we take responsibility to work and save and plan for our future. Look at our passage that we just read. Consider the ravens, they don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? We have to settle in our hearts how God sees us, how much he loves us, how valuable we are to him. And if we sit with him for long enough, he will talk to you about your value. And finally, our indifference becomes love as we learn to give. We find that our hearts are transformed to become more like God full of love for others. And that's where our passage ends in verse 33 with a challenge to sell everything we have and give to those in need, in order to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Now, somewhere on here, I've got a story I was going to tell you. Oh, I can't find it. I'll just tell you anyway. Here we go. Uh, A couple of times in my life, uh, we have, or Andrew, in my life, we have faced monumental financial uncertainty. And uh, the one that sprang to mind immediately was, it happened about 15 years ago, and uh, I had a car accident, and I was going at about three miles an hour, possibly. You might think, well, that's not very significant. But I managed to knock over a lady on a zebra crossing, and then it transpired that the car that I was driving was not actually insured, because the person who owned the car had forgotten to insure it. It was a scary moment because the lady who wasn't injured, I might add, decided that she was, and decided to sue me for personal injury. And uh, she claimed that she was very badly injured, that she would never be able to work again, and uh, so that i would be responsible for her earnings for the next about 30 years and that she had psychological damage and, and it all got very big and i didn't know genuinely if andrew and i would be responsible for 5000 50000 500000 we had no idea how much she was going to be suing us for the anxiety was absolutely massive and uh, i nearly lost the plot i have to be honest i didn't deal with it very well but After about a year and a half of having to trust God, having to get up in the morning and trust him every day, it came to an end. We came to a place of trusting God. Andrew and I together worked to a place where we were like, do you know what God's got us? He's got us this far. He'll get us out of this no matter what it looks like. And of course it was okay in the end. We saved. God intervened. By the time it actually came to court, the lawyers had basically worked out that she was trying to extract money from us unnecessarily. She didn't really need it. She got a small payout. We paid it, and it was fine. What it did was it taught me absolutely masses about how God cares for us, about how he provides for us, about how he's a God of truth, and about how he has our best interests at heart and our well-being. I don't recommend it as a way to learn about those things. It wasn't pleasant but he got us through and actually that and a couple of other scenarios that have happened have absolutely transformed my relationship with money because I've realized that it's not about me and it's not about what I can do and it's not about what I can earn and it's not about what I can save. It's all about the fact that it's God's resources. Let's look at stewardship, what God asks of you. Stewardship is not a phrase that we use very much but it's to do with what we do with what we've got. It's as if you're the manager and God is the owner. So a steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. It's the steward's job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets and then carry out his will. So it's actually acknowledging acknowledging that all we have comes from God, including our talents, our skill, our time, our money. We are trusted to manage God's resources well. Because we are the ones who will give an account to him for it one day. In verse 31 it says, seek first his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. It's about the first, putting God first. Discipleship is about putting him first in all of life, our careers, our relationships, our time and our whole financial life. Let's not kid ourselves that an occasional charitable gift is discipleship as Jesus describes it. Discipleship and stewardship is holistic, it's the big picture of our lives So we write a budget, we plan, we spend, and we invest as good managers of God's resources. Now, you might not be natural at this. You might want to talk to your small group leader or your site pastor, because we can help. You might find yourself in debt. You might find yourself just struggling to manage your resources, you might need some help to manage your money better. And as a church, we want to be able to come alongside you. We want to be able to help you. Money isn't a thing to be ashamed about. So we would really encourage you to come and, come and talk to Jeff and Becky. They would love to hear from you. And if we can give you any help in that department, then please uh, don't be silent. So let's look a little bit at generosity. Generosity is what God does through us. The bottom line is God doesn't need our money. But he does invite us to use it to become more like him. So a journey of generosity is actually an invitation to an adventure with God. It's like our opportunity to step alongside God in the extension of his kingdom here on earth. And it changes both us and the world around Him, around us at the same time. So at the end of our passage, it says, Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We tend to centre our lives around what we value most, don't we? Treasure and heart are connected. So my brother has lots of money invested in the stock market and he has lots of cryptocurrency, which I don't understand at all, but he does. Every time I see my brother, he's on his phone nearly all the time checking numbers. I don't understand the numbers. I don't understand crypto, but he's checking the numbers and he quite all consuming for him. He wants to know whether the numbers are going up or down. They've been down. Now they're coming up. And it consumes him. That's all he talks about. He wants to see how his investments are doing. The things that where we, the places that we put our money, consume our hearts. But if we invest our money in doing good for others, in giving to charity, in um, in aligning ourselves with the things that God says about extending His kingdom, our hearts will be inclined to compassion, to goodness, to helping others. In his book, The Treasure Principle, Randy Alcorn says this: Five minutes after we die, we'll know exactly how we should have lived. But God has given us his word so that we don't have to wait till we die to find out. And he's given us his spirit to empower us to live that way now. If you knew now what you'll know then, you'd live differently. That's what Jesus is saying. If you knew now what you'll know then, you'd live differently. Now here's what I think. I think that God provides for us. He he pays us it's it's like this chocolate money it's not left over from Christmas we did buy it especially (laughs) all the money we have this side of heaven is like chocolate money now we do have options we can consume it we can eat it or we can invest it in what he's doing locally nationally globally and then this becomes eternal treasure Andrew suggested that I threw some of this, <laughs> but I don't think that's a very great idea. Why don't you take some think I need a little bit for the end, but you can, you can give, it, it, Becky can throw it. There you are. I'll keep this bit for the end. The kids can have it. Uh, I came to faith in my teens. Nothing unusual there. Lots of people do. Two-thirds of all people actually become Christians before the age of 18. Last year, about 30 people in this church, spread between the sites, gave an additional £25,000 towards a youth ministry called Dreaming the Impossible that we run as a vineyard movement. I was volunteering on a team. And over a four-day event last summer, I witnessed hundreds of people accept Jesus. And that is turning chocolate coins into treasure in heaven. Here's another example. Just imagine that you could wind wind the clock back to the late 1970s and you bump into a guy in your university dorm called Steve Jobs and, and his business partner. And Steve and his business partner are just getting started in the tech space and they're starting a new company. It's called Apple for some reason. And Steve says, the challenge is I've got this great idea, but I just need some cash. So if you invest now, Fiona, if you give me your money now, you invest now, I will make you a deal. You will get shares in my little tiny weenie business. If Fiona knew then what she knows now, how much do you think she would have invested? What would she have sold? She'd have probably sold everything. She'd have cashed in her savings. She would have persuaded her parents to sell their home. The thing is... That with investing in God's kingdom, it's not what's the minimum I can get away with before God. It's the what is the most that I can get for eternal treasure. So this three-dimensional approach brings together the central themes that are covered in God's word. Formation, stewardship, generosity. God wants you to have a heart at peace, a heart full of gratitude, contentment, trust and love. Stewardship, what God asks of you. Well, he asks us to manage what we have well and put him first. And generosity, what does he do through us? Well, as we invest in his kingdom, it has eternal impact. So what does it mean for us as a church to seek first the kingdom of God? I want to look back with thanks and I want us to look forward with faith We're looking at the phrase, seek the kingdom, seek first the kingdom, as Matthew's gospel puts it. We wanted to take a moment now at the beginning of the year to just give you a bit of a recap about how God has been at work and what he has said to us about the vision, uh, the, the vision that we carry as a church. And it is a time to be so thankful. By God's grace, this church is large and growing. We looked at the figures, Andrew and I, during the week. And do you know, we have actually grown by 30% since January 22. So in two years, we've, we've, we've added 15% a year, 30%. And on average, what you see in one service now is just a small snapshot of our, of our whole church. If you multiply you by probably five and then add in all the children, that's about the size of our church. It's amazing. In November 22, we announced that we wanted to set a goal of planting a group a month and a site a year. And we did that because we want God's mission to be our mission. We're not here for ourselves. We want to reach those who are yet to come. Because that is of first importance to God. He That's why he sent Jesus. And that is why Jesus sends us. We're called to represent him where we are and to seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm pleased to say we've done it. We have started a new group every month under the watchful eye of the wonderful Jeff. He's done a fantastic job. And groups have been starting month on month to welcome new people and introduce them to Jesus and help them find community. And then in March last year, Eastside started meeting weekly on Sundays. We've seen growth in every single space, in Eastside, in Southside here, in the city centre morning and evening. People are finding a spiritual home and coming alive in their faith. We represent a foretaste of heaven like never before as people of so many different backgrounds are gathering in our church family to worship Jesus every week. Our kids' work has grown. Our youth work has grown. We've seen lots of young adults added into that space. We've seen Compassion Ministry grow. We now have Grow Baby in two different locations and lots of presence in the community with initiatives like Tuck In Tuesdays and literally hundreds of people helped through Compassion Ministries and Food Bank. Each week, we get to show love and care to individuals going through crisis. We've been weeping with those who weep. We've been rejoicing with those who rejoice. We've given tens of thousands of pounds away to other charities and organisations in our city, in the UK, and abroad. Because you see, Andrew and I fully believe that God responds to action. And as we've been seeking first the kingdom of God, we've seen him work in so many different ways in our church and beyond. Really, if we were to tell you all the different things and tell you all the stories that there are to talk about, we would probably be here till five o'clock and you'd all miss your Sunday lunch. So we're changing things up a little bit. And rather than cramming 12 months of news into one big annual report, we're gonna start giving you an impact report every month and it's going to be starting in February because we want to increase our communication with you so you'll know how the money that you give makes an impact for God's kingdom and every month we'll be highlighting a different area of ministry and celebrating what's happening in it you're going to be able to find that on social media on the Birmingham Vineyard website there'll be blog posts and there might even be a short video or two so to those of you who consistently give to support the ministry of this church thank you thank you so much we simply couldn't do everything we're doing without your partnership so we look back with thanks and we look forward with faith and we seek the kingdom of God so what about 2024 well we want to do everything possible to help many more people follow Jesus and experience the fullness of life and that can only happen in communities of people who are deeply committed to following Jesus together Every week in every space, we're privileged to host people who have little or no Christian faith background. We're encountering God together. And whether we've been believers for five days or 50 years, we're learning what it is to follow Jesus. And that's why the Alpha course is so important and so helpful for new believers to encounter Jesus and learn what it means to have a vibrant and strong and solid faith. We want to continue to plant a new small group every month. Small groups, if you're not part of one, small groups are where we make friends, where we learn to follow Jesus together and where we journey together and support one another through life's ups and downs. So if you're not in one, I would really recommend that you find a small group. And I think there's details about them yeah, on the welcome desk. We also need to plant new sites to reach more people and reach other communities in our cities, in our city. And for that. We need new site pastors. So this year, we're making the training of teams and service leaders, preachers and pastors a top priority. We have people in our church who are engaged in the National Vineyard Leadership College, and we would love that cohort to grow. And if you feel called to leadership in any shape or form, we would love you to come with us to the the National Vineyard Leaders Conference, which happens in April or to inquire about the college. And if you'd like details about either of those things, come and talk to us, come and talk to Jeff and Becky, chat to me, we can give you details. This year, we are praying and discerning where God is leading us to plant the next site. We've already got a couple of options. Andrew and I rarely drive around the city without thinking, oh, is it here? Is it here? Lord, do you want us to start a site here? So we always do that. We have a number of places that we're thinking about, but we're not making any assumptions right now. We want God to clearly speak. But we're confident that multiplication is not our great idea, it's his. And he will guide us as we seek him. So watch out for opportunities to pray together in different spots in the city. In the midst of some joys and some challenges, God is present and God is working. It's already been mentioned before, but this significant and exciting date for us this year will be the big weekend. We've not done a residential weekend like this before. I think we've probably thought it's far too enormous a enormous a project to take on but Becky is manfully stepping up and spearheading with the team it's going to be wonderful Andrew and I we were just imagining driving back home or sitting on the coach afterwards and imagining the conversation everyone will be excited you'll have made new friends eaten new food enjoyed beautiful countryside met with God heard some great teaching we've invited the national directors of the Vineyard Movement our dear friends John and Debbie they'll be coming to share with us you're going to have lots of fun because culture is shaped by our shared story and our shared experiences. Birmingham Vineyard is so much bigger than a single site or a single person. God is building us into a church that's stronger together and we want to deepen our friendships and meet with God together. So we really honestly believe that this weekend away is going to become a building block for our community. And honestly, I hadn't heard that thing about the generous tickets being like lots of people buying them. I I just felt welling up with pride and gratitude at our generous church family that people would want to give so someone else can come honestly guys thank you do everything you can to make it it's going to be a wonderful weekend now Andrew and I feel immensely privileged to lead such a wonderful church served by excellent staff and wider leaders we're all hugely blessed with capable, godly, visionary leaders in every single site. Jeff and Becky do a wonderful job here. And we have site pastors like them in each of our different locations. We also have capable, godly, visionary leaders in every area of ministry. And they're all brimming with vision and dedication for the area that they're called to lead. So whether it's kids or worship or youth or the Hong Kong ministry, or students or small groups or young adults or alpha, leaders training, administration, financial oversight the team that God has called us to lead, are simply amazing people. This year we're also going to be appointing a compassion coordinator who will oversee and build our compassion ministries across the whole church and we're excited for that. And all of that can happen when we make the choice to turn this into treasure in heaven by investing it in God's kingdom. I also just want to let you know about one more development that's going to be happening in our Sunday services, starting from Next week? Next week. We want to put a spotlight on these areas of spiritual formation, stewardship, and generosity. And so, once a month, we're going to be taking a moment to pause and thank God for His goodness. We can bring our financial needs to Him in prayer and bring our offerings to Him in worship. Because basically, we got out of the habit of doing offerings during COVID when we weren't allowed to send offering baskets around and no one wanted to touch anything that anybody else had touched, did they? we got out of the habit, but it has been an omission. And it might send the signal that your giving doesn't make a difference or that how we, um, how we handle our money doesn't matter to God. Neither of those things are true. More resources means more ministry. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the vast majority of those who give do so in a planned way, direct from the bank account. And that's what we do personally as well. It really helps us to plan ministry and steward well the resources of the church. But we want to acknowledge that that too is an act of worship. Even though we don't actively do something every month, it's still an act of worship that we're giving to God. So from every every month from now on, we're going to have a moment to highlight the opportunity to give. And for those who are new, we want to give an opportunity to start a journey of spiritual formation, stewardship and generosity. We'll never do it in a way that's pushy and coercive. That's just not who we are. But for those of you who already give, it might be a moment to say to the Lord, is there anything that you want to say to me about this? Do you want me to give an extra offering? Do you want me to buy a ticket for the big weekend for somebody else? How do you want me to invest in God's kingdom? I want to just recognise that we're all in different places on our journey with giving. Some of you might not have even started. You're just in an initial place. Some of you might be planned. You might have a set figure that you give every month. Some of you faithful people, you're giving a growing percentage. It's been Andrew and my um, desire since the moment that we got married to give a little bit more every year. And some years we just go up by a little tiny percent. And some years we can go up by a bigger percent. But it's our joy to, in a growing way, invest in the kingdom of God. And some people are giving in a radical way, planned and spirit-led generosity. Wherever you are on that step, on that, on that um in that place, in wherever you are in those th- those four places, I want to ask you, what's your next step? What is God's invitation for you to lean into? This isn't a moment where we're saying, "Hey, guys, we need more money in the church. No, it's not that. This is a moment where we say, "What's God saying to you about managing his resources, led by him, spirit led? So what's the invitation that he's asking you to lean into? Is it a journey of spiritual formation right now? Is it that God wants you to trust him, to lean on him, to experience his peace and his contentment in your heart? Is it that he's talking to you about stewardship? What's he asking of you? What's he asking you to put first? Or is it a new journey of generosity, seeing what God wants to do through you? And my final question is, what would it look like to put God first in your life? All of Jesus' words are in sharp contrast with much of what our culture says. And so as I finish, I I want us to watch a video that will highlight the contrast. And then off the back of this video, we're going to move into some ministry.
1: Life. Life is the free and joyful pursuit of self-interest. The generous may doubt this, but we know life offers more than a dedication to serving others. A spirit of love in the heart of God, we've moved on to something better. Money is what really matters. We don't believe all the hype about transforming our world. No, we want to live an extraordinary life of convenience and luxury. The sense of status and wealth, the power of instant gratification. We are uninterested in conforming ourselves to living with open hands, setting our eyes on the everlasting. The better way forward? To build a world around ourselves. This is the mindset of our day. We would be foolish to live the generous life. We don't believe it is worth our time. But when we encounter Jesus, he reorders the priorities of our heart. It is worth our time to live the generous life. We don't believe the mindset of our day. We would be foolish to build a world around ourselves. This is the better way forward. Setting our eyes on the everlasting, living with open hands. We are uninterested in conforming ourselves to the power of instant gratification, the sense of status and wealth, convenience and luxury. No, we want to live an extraordinary life of transforming our world. We don't believe all the hype about money is what really matters. We've moved on to something better, the heart of God, The spirit of love and dedication to serving. Others may doubt this, but we know life offers more than a pursuit of self-interest. The generous life is the free and joyful life.